Welcome. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like it. Leave it in. Okay, I'll do that. That's it. I'll just keep fading the theme tune in and out every time I try it. That's good. All right. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Spin-Off Episode 2. My name is Reese Parton, and welcome back to the show. Joining me is Sandro. I am here. Hello. Excellent. How are you doing today? Uh, look, not too bad. I'll, uh, I'm a little tired. I've had a couple coffees, but aside from that, doing A-OK over here. How about you? I do pretty well as, as well. It's kind of funny. Quarantine slash lockdown is more exhausting than I expected because mm. I thought I'd be, you know, pretty relaxed doing basically nothing compared to what I normally do, but it's actually tiring. <laughs> it is. It is. I'm growing a beard and I think a lot of uh, my energy has just gone into that and I've just not had much time for anything else. That actually happens, believe it or not. <laughs> really? Okay. I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it was kind of funny. In the first week of lockdown after I stopped working, I work in a factory and it's food production factory. So we usually have to be very hygienic. And if you have a beard, you have to wear like a beard net and stop the hair from falling in the food. Mm. And they get really scratchy and a bit hot sometimes. So I usually shave a lot. But for the first week, I was like, I don't have to shave. So I'm not going to shave. And I looked really tacky after a week (laughs) yeah i'm at that awkward stage where it's not quite stubble anymore but it's also definitely not a proper beard yeah (laughs) that's basically all i can manage to grow unless i'm doing a tony stark impression Ah, which is the best sort (laughs) it is of impression it is unless it's a michael Caine impression (laughs) you are only supposed to blow the bloody doors off (laughs) that was terrible that was absolutely terrible i liked it um i won't do one (laughs) Fair enough. Although, on that note, just a random aside, have you seen The Trip, the TV show? That sounds very familiar. I don't, I think I might have seen a trailer for it, maybe? Yeah, I've seen clips from it, and it's got um, Steve Coogan. Oh, God, who's who's the other guy? Plays Alan Partridge. Um, Another uh, another British comedian. Rob something, right? Oh, wait, it's the other way around, I think. Yeah, but Rob, Rob Brydon. It's those two, Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon, and they travel around going to different places, trying food, and I can't tell if they're in character or if it's them presenting the show and having a trip around <laughs> Europe, but there's a scene where they do impressions of lots of different actors, including Michael Caine, and they say, no, it's got to be more nasally than that. <laughs> nice. A lot more nasally than that, and it's, it's a lot of fun. And they're actually really good impressions too. That's great. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking it up now. It looks like a lot of fun. These two definitely look very familiar. All right, so are we going to introduce the question that's on everyone's mind, like you do in the main show, or will we just naturally slide into it? Because I do like a good build-up for this question. I do like the question, and I feel like you haven't asked the question yet. I haven't really. And I feel like you should. Yeah, and it, it's kind of the basis of this show. It's a little segment on the main show, but I feel like because we love discussing a whole lot of stuff on this show... You know, we make this show all about this question, which is, Sandro, what have you been consuming lately? That is such a good question, and I'm very glad that you asked me, and I also think the episode now should be titled Reese's First Time, because <laughs> uh, it's the first time you've asked the question. Well... Cut that out. <laughs> um... <laughs> no, I was going to say, you're entirely in charge of naming them, so you could do it anyway, even if I cut it out. That's true, that's true. Yeah. Anyway... I, off the back of last week's episode, saw the season premiere, or, well, it 
technically is the season premiere the former finale <laughs> the former finale of titans season two uh it's up on netflix i was like yeah you know what i feel like watching this i was gonna do doom patrol because i gave up on something and i was like i might i might go for doom patrol but i just i felt like something familiar i didn't really really want to jump into like a brand new show so i checked out the first episode uh slash last episode <laughs> of titans and it's a funny one isn't it <laughs> yeah it's not a good it's not a good season opener. I also don't think it would have been a good season finale. Mm. I don't know. I spent the whole episode basically in my head doing an impersonation of the member berries from South Park. <laughs> I was just like, oh, I member. <laughs> I member this storyline. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we'll put a mild spoiler warning up because there are a few details that I just want to go over because it, they were weird. Mm. But then there's some really cool stuff in there as well. Definitely. So if you haven't seen the season two premiere, which if you didn't know, a bit of trivia, was actually going to be the finale, but they decided that they wanted to cast Batman and wanted to give themselves some more time to do that, so postponed it yep. to be the premiere of season two. Yep. If you haven't seen that, just skip forward a little bit until we maybe discuss the next show or the next thing that we've consumed. But so some of the weird things, mm. Raven very easily defeats the big bad of season one. <laughs> very, very easily. I will say, though, pretty much from the get-go, I was just reminded how good that actress is. Oh. I mean, she's only 15. I know. And she's the best performer in the whole show. Well, she's got one of the best characters, too. So Definitely. <laughs> but she's excellent. Mm-hmm. She, she finally gets the diamond in the head as well, which is very exciting. Yeah, I thought that was a cool way to do that. I mean, I've got no idea about these characters other than the Robins, because I'm more attached to the Batman side of the DC universe. But I knew she had something on her forehead, so I didn't know how, but I thought it was a pretty cool way to get it. Uh, I will be honest, I laughed out loud when Trigon's final form was revealed. It <laughs> somehow looked worse than anything in Legends of Tomorrow. <laughs> Just saying something. I thought Ray Harryhausen had come back and it was stop motion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's what it was. The movements were really bad. The textures were okay. But the textures were alright, but then they just put that blue filter over everything. True, true. Yeah, it just looked kind of I don't know. Um, I liked uh, a lot of the stuff with Hawk and Dove, but I'm yeah. very biased towards those two. Those two, so I'm very biased towards her in particular. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's great. I think I first saw her in um, Almost Human, that Carl Urban show. From oh wow. Like, five years ago yeah. or something so it's great that she's still getting work oh fun little bit of trivia about her she dated captain america oh wow yeah i thought he was dead <laughs> <laughs> okay I'll, I'll rephrase that her and chris <laughs> evans used to go out <laughs> nice nice that's fun it was funny because after our discussion last week about um oh i've forgotten his name the second robin silly me jason todd about of course yeah um i've after our discussion about how very annoying Jason Todd is, <laughs> as soon as the episode started, he just grated me like crazy. But then at the same time, the joke was that like Hawk found yeah, he hates very him. annoying. <laughs> so I think that was the point. They always draw attention to it in this show, which I love. Whenever there's something mm. annoying, something extremely violent there's always repercussions of it too yeah it was a nice kind of return to see these characters but the whole thing was the end of an arc that for me i finished watching a year ago and i just <laughs> i didn't really have any attachment 
to anything that was going on. So it just kind of washed over me until the last 10 minutes, which uh, should we talk about? I mean, they were pretty exciting. They were very exciting. And I think because of the spoiler warning is up there, I think we're safe to talk about it. But if you haven't gone away slash jumped forward to the next bit, do it now. Because otherwise you'll hear that Deathstroke is in the show. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> that was a Zach spoiler warning. <laughs> you just spoiled the whole thing. <laughs> Did I? I'm pretty sure his picture was the icon on Netflix here in Australia for a while. <laughs> it is. It is the icon, yeah. Uh, I don't know much about the actor. I haven't seen much of him in the show yet, but the look, oh, his yeah. look, his costumes look phenomenal. I mean, I adore Manu Bennett as Deathstroke and Arrow, and I adore that origin story, but the suit in this, like the costume, just blows that out of the water. It doesn't look like a, a tacky CW costume. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't mean tacky. That's really disrespectful to the designers, but, like, it did look like a motorbike costume with certain things added to it <laughs> um, in the CW. Yeah. Which I guess makes sense because it was like he just found it on the island. So Yeah, I'm kind of thinking of his other one, which oh yes no you're right was somehow bulletproof even though it looked like plastic <laughs> um <laughs> but this one is really cool i think both performances i've seen all of season 2 and i think both performances are equal they're two very okay. different interpretations in terms of how they play it and also how they use the character mm-hmm. the manu bennett deathstroke fits in really well for arrow which I was going to say in some ways is more melodramatic than Titans because that's the CW, but yeah. it's also a very powerful storyline as well um, moving forward in Titans. Yeah, so. I mean, he starts off as a good guy in Arrow as well and you're kind of rooting for him. Yeah. Oh, he's got one of the best journeys of all of them. It's like, you know, definitely. it's how you write a villain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it seems like they're just jumping straight into uh, him as an established villain in this universe, which I like. I like that they're doing that. Um, one other thing, before we talk about Batman, mm. uh, in the recap to the previous episode, yeah. I completely forgot, but I love how this version of the Batman suit seems to be very much reminiscent of, like, Michael Keaton. It looks yeah, it impossible does. to move your head in that suit, <laughs> which I really like. Yeah, that's true. Actually, I hadn't thought of that, but when he jumps out the window in the second last episode of season one, it did look kind of wooden in a way, but in a mm. not in a terrible way, but it just looked like it harking back to the original sort of costume. Yeah, which I like, yeah. Speaking of which, actually, I watched mm-hmm. a behind-the-scenes. I was watching... Um, it was something to do with the music for the Dark Knight trilogy because that's something I'll move on to in a second when I talk about Ooh. something else I've consumed. Nice. But then I just watched other behind-the-scenes stuff for Nolan's trilogy and I loved the way Chris Nolan was thinking. So Christian Bale came up to me and quite rightly said that the suit was giving him a headache the way it was and he couldn't really move very well and that was impeding the stunts, impeding the kind of shots we can get. And I wanted to figure out a story reason for updating the suit and adapting the cowl and all of that. Mm-hmm. And then he thought, well, why not just have it be that reason? It's impeding his fighting, so he needs to be able to be safe. So they changed the suit for the Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises so he could move his head. Yeah, And uh, it was just kind of funny that someone that a lot of people, including myself, hold up as a genius was having writing problems. And he's like, how can I do this? How can I do this? Oh, just do it the way you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah, that's interesting. Yeah. Didn't know that. <laughs> this version of Batman, though, very old, first of all. It's an old <laughs> Batman. I never pictured Bruce Wayne with a bald spot, but I like it. I think it's cool. Uh, he's Irish. He's not He's not American. 
Yeah, well, <laughs> yes, it's true. He's he's a. Uh, I love Ian Glenn. He's one of my favorite actors. He's very capable, but he seemingly hasn't done much of an American accent before. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. Like every now and then, it's really good. But then at the end of pretty much all of his sentences, you're just like, oh yeah, yeah you're not. Yeah. But later on in the season, I think it one it gets better. Two, you get used to it, and three. The lines that he says and the scenes that he's in, you don't care. They're really intense and they're really well played. So okay, I can't wait for you to see those. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm excited. Actually, I watch reaction videos a lot and someone came up with a theory that once Dick Grayson had left and once Jason Todd had started kind of venturing out on his own, Bruce has just been spending so much time with Alfred that the accent's been rubbing off on him. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, I'll subscribe to that theory. I subscribe to that too. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> Have we seen this version of Alfred yet? I don't think so. Uh, you haven't. And yeah, I think I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Ooh, interesting. Intriguing. But yeah, his age is really interesting because um, I want to say he's probably f- mid 40s at this point, maybe yeah. late 40s. And that's usually around the time when uh, Damien is Robin. So unless they're going to completely skip Tim Drake and the other Robins Mm. that are in between those ones, it'll be interesting if they do introduce Damien Wayne in season three. It'd be very interesting. I mean, we discussed it last time, but uh, they're going to be introducing Barbara Gordon, apparently. Mm -hmm. So who knows what other characters might come along. She might be in a relationship with um, Tim Drake. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So he might come along that way. Uh, as for Damien, I don't know. It'd be really cool if they could cross it over with the Arrowverse and get, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Lexa Doing, who played Talia mm. in Arrow. It'd be great if they could get her in on this show. <laughs> that would, would be cool. Because, I mean, Oliver Queen constantly makes reference to the fact that Bruce Wayne exists in that universe. So Yeah. they prob- Well, I mean, heroes aren't as established. Like, these sort of heroes aren't as established, it seems, but... Who knows? Yeah, who knows? I could do it. <laughs> I'm excited to see where this season goes mm. now that I've gotten past the episode that was stopping me from getting back into the show. <laughs> I'm excited to get back into it. Mm. Um, it's a lot of fun. I think it was just a very jarring season opener. It was. It really was. I was talking last time on the show and afterwards. We had like <laughs> we had a five-hour-long chat that day. <laughs> <laughs> we did. Renovate. Yes, according to Skype, it says like five and a half hours or something like that, whatever it was. Wow. But the scenes that I'm talking about that felt cheesy were the ones after, uh, I've forgotten his name, but the villain had been defeated and they're all kind of going their separate ways and they're in the cars and they're hugging each other. And I'm just like, this show is usually so serious. Why are they having fun? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Maybe that could have been a part of the reshoots for... Possibly, yeah. Anyway, Hmm. so far I'd get, well... What would I give that that episode? Aside from the end, I might even give it one thumb down, to be honest. But oh boy. Uh, I'm excited <laughs> for the rest of it. Was it that episode that ended with them in Titan T- Titan Tower? Yes, which was a nice moment. I did, and the music for that was really cool. Oh, it was. I think it's a cover of a Talking Heads song, but I I went and found it, and I've downloaded it onto my phone just because I thought it was it sounded really cool. So mm. they've got really good playlists for this show, actually, especially in season two. Nice. All right. I'm excited. Um, time to throw the question over to you then, Reese. What have you been consuming lately? Oh, well, not the most recent thing, but something that I recently consumed was uh, the movie Knives Out. Nice. 
I'd seen it before, but yesterday was my birthday and I convinced the folks to watch a movie with me because I love watching movies and uh, it has to be a a particularly good movie to get my mum interested. (laughs) So thankfully Knives Out was good enough and it it was such a good movie to watch. In fact, um, we talked about it in the end of year episode Mm. we did with Adam. Yes, we did. But I've not given it a rating and I'm going to give it two thumbs up just because... I love it that much. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's brilliant. I just wanted to be able to officially rank it on this show because <laughs> like, I loved it the first time around, but watching it this time around, there are so many little things in there. You don't realize that it's literally spelt out that okay. it ended the way it ended. I was going to give away the major spoiler, but I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> but yeah, it's such a beautifully shot film. It stars an amazing cast, all of whom in many ways step out of their usual box. I'm thinking especially Daniel Craig. Oh, yeah. But even... Um, Michael Shannon, it's amazing to think how he was General Zod and he did a really good job playing Zod, but that was a very kind of gruff version of Zod. So it was kind of one note, but in this, he was really interesting. He kind of Weasley kind of trying to get the fortune from his dad and then kind of intimidating at other points. And he's just really good. And physically he had that limp and he was walking with a cane. So compared to Zod, which was only like, what was that, six years ago now? Something like that. Obviously, Michael Shannon's just acting that he's got a cane, but he, he played it so well that he went from a, a warrior in one role to a, a cripple in an, in another role. Yeah, and like him in The Shape of Water as well, which I think uh, next to Knives Out was the last thing I saw him in, mm. maybe, I'm not sure. Um, but like him in that, he's quite a, uh, a, a looming figure yeah. for most of it. He seems quite d- dangerous, so... I need to see that one, but yeah, no, he's, he's really good. Yeah. So yeah, Knives Out was one of the most recent things. I don't know how long your list of things you've consumed is, but I'm going to throw it back to you and we'll just go back and forth, I guess. Okay. Um, I might do a short little recommendation for something that, uh, is a, I'll say you're consuming in progress because I've only seen the first episode, (laughs) but Amazon's Tales from the Loop was a show that came out recently that I really wanted to check out. I love a good anthology show. Mm. Everyone here, of course, knows that I love a good sci-fi show as well, so I was keen to to check that out. What, you? Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) What a a coincidence. Um, It's based off the artwork from an artist called Simon Stallenhag. I almost definitely said that wrong. Uh, Simon Stallenhag, who is an incredible artist, but the niche that he cut out for himself was drawing very lifelike, very beautiful kind of portraits of landscapes with people walking or kids playing or something like that with one very ominous sci-fi Ooh. element <laughs> hidden somewhere in the background. So, like, you, you'll have... Slender Man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, no. Uh, so you'll have, like two kids playing in a cornfield and there's a giant almost 80-80 robot just kind of walking along in the background. Oh, wow. So stuff like that. If you haven't checked out his art, do so. It's Hmm. incredible. I think there's like a role-playing game based off it as well. Mm -hmm. People kind of created their own world out of it. So what Amazon did was they were like, well, how about we just make a show out of it? So it's this anthology series based in a town called The Loop, which is uh, just a small town 
where there is an underground base that the majority of the adults work in and they do all sorts of weird sci-fi experiments in there (laughs) and every episode just kind of focuses on one character and how these strange sci-fi experiments affected them um so i've seen the the first episode which uh going into it i knew a lot of people didn't like the first episode pretty much every review of the show that i've read has said episode one not very good stick with it though because it gets amazing and i will say episode one i it's a it's a bit of a mess it's a bit of a mess it's quite slow there's a lot that i liked in it though i really like the cinematography is phenomenal the pacing and the atmosphere i'm a big fan of atmosphere in movies and the atmosphere of that episode is phenomenal um it's a little spooky Mm -hmm. at times a little spooky a little uh sad that's about all i'm gonna give away (laughs) so yeah Tales from the Loop. I'd say I've only seen the first episode, and the first episode wasn't particularly great. It's considered the worst of the season, so hmm. uh, I'm not going to rate it just yet. I think I might watch a couple more, but seems like it's a it's a sci-fi anthology to check out if you're a fan of um, more kind of slower, more introspective hmm. sci-fi tales, more personal sci-fi tales. Tales of the Strange and the Unexpected. <laughs> exactly, yes. Well, that sounds cool. I'd never heard of that, actually, or the artist that it's kind of like basing mm. the show on, but I'm interested now. Oh, and Jonathan Price, he, oh. he's kind of like the narrator of the first episode. I don't know if that continues throughout it, but yeah, yeah. he's really good. Fair enough. Well, most anthology things do have a linking theme, at least just one or two, so possibly. Yeah. So I think this one is, yeah, the town, and then probably him mm. is maybe the lead scientist. I'm not too sure, mm-hmm. but yeah. That sounds really cool. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. If you like anthology stuff, it, it's pretty good, and it does a good job of uh, establishing characters. That's been one of my biggest issues with the most recent anthology series that have come out, mainly uh, the most recent Twilight Zone. <laughs> While I love the first episode, Kamal Nanjani is brilliant, and the cast for the entire show is great. After episode one, it's it's just a mess, and I don't know if I'll ever go back to it. I didn't really enjoy the other two episodes that I saw. Oh, that's a damn shame. Um, although Jordan Peele is writing for season two, not just starring and producing, so I might have to go back Maybe to Maybe he that. thought, I need to save this because I love the original and it's not what I want it to be. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Although I think the season one finale is like a metafiction episode where he plays himself playing the narrator. Oh, my and like God, Seth I love that. Rogan <laughs> is in it. Yeah, I, I might have to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I uh, love that, dude. Um, Tales from the Loop. There we go. Awesome. A little recommendation. Nice. Uh, in progress. I'll check back in next week. Mm. Uh, and hopefully it's not another Swamp Thing situation <laughs> where I'm really hopeful and then it just turns out to not be great. Mm. But, yeah. It's a little Amazon show. Amazon are doing pretty well. I've got an- another Amazon show I want to talk about uh, near the end of the episode as well. So. Nice. I'm intrigued. I've got some good stuff. Yeah. How about yourself? You got anything else? Yeah, I do. I've got actually a few things and spicing it up a little bit, not just stuff that I've watched, but recently when I first came back from work and, you know, in that period where I didn't shave, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I decided that seeing as I had a lot of free time on my hands at last, recently actually at work, I've been doing a lot of overtime, so I've been knackered. Mm. So when I realized I'm going to have several days in a row of being able to not do anything, I started replaying Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. 
Republic. <laughs> oh, nice. Which I think came out in 2003. Um, which, if it did, makes it 17 years old. <laughs> yeah, I feel like 2003, then 2005 for two, maybe? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. But I've got such a special spot for this game in my heart. It's a really fun game to play because there's a great story to it. Um, I mean, I'll be honest straight away. The graphics are crap nowadays. <laughs> oh, yeah, the movement as well. Oh, yeah, the movement's pretty dodgy. Although I'm playing it on my computer and there are some really great, and it's completely legal to do this, by the way, but there's some really great mods out there. Oh, yeah. And I've just downloaded some retexture packs and it really does freshen it up a lot and make it look a lot better. But in many ways that doesn't matter because it's the story that you follow. It's one of the most dramatic stories to be invested in in the Star Wars world and it's set in a period that we don't always get to see Mm. in Star Wars, although it's been announced we're probably going to. Yeah, I mean, there's the the High Republic, yeah, uh, which is coming out soon, which is set around this time, I think, maybe a little bit before, not sure. And I think it's a fun way and an easy way for Lucasfilms to develop stories set within that time in little books and comics and then eventually adapt them into the movies. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But this game is a lot of fun. I love the the score is great, especially um, Darth Malik's theme, which is basically the theme that plays on the main menu. <laughs> mm-hmm. Part of the reason why I'm loving it is the nostalgia of playing through it for the first time. I've just gotten to the major revelation. <laughs> I'll just say that much in case somebody hasn't played it. Okay. And it's still an emotional gut punch. (laughs) I assume you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, it's a good moment. Because you've become invested with the characters, because you've had a sort of romantic love interest going on, because you've had some heroic moments. I always play light side, by the way, just because dark side's wrong. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I hate it when you get like the glowing red aura around you and then some dark side music playing. (laughs) So I always kind (laughs) of lean for the light side just so I don't feel like I've done something bad. Yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> then you also get some characters judging you too, so, like, bugger off. I made a decision, all right? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, you know, you've had some heroic moments you've been going through and then you just hit with this revelation, which still just you kind of go, oh, my God, that's intense. Mm. <laughs> and it, this game, when I first played it, kind of showed the hypocrisy of the uh, Jedi. Yeah, it does. At least the Jedi Order, because I don't mind the idea of the Jedi using the Force to do good stuff. But the rules and the way they'll stoop to a certain low (laughs) to win the war, very hypocritical. And I kind of didn't realize that they'd be capable capable of that, but they certainly are. And then when I thought about it, it's their fault that we ended up with Darth Vader in a way because if if people were allowed to love and be Jedi, then Anakin wouldn't have been so frustrated that he had to keep his relationship with Padme secret. Yeah. So I kind of in many ways blame the Jedi for getting Darth Vader. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, it is their fault. <laughs> yeah. So, do you have another thing on your list, or should I continue with my list? I've got a couple things that I was just going to, like, run through. Uh, I have this idea for a segment called Weird Movies with me, but uh, I kind of want to make a, a jingle for that, so... Fair enough. Consider this the pilot for that without a jingle. Hang on, I'll just look up the Looney Tunes theme, and I'll put that in for net no. <laughs> okay, yes. <laughs> it's time for Weird Movies with Sandro. <laughs> There you go. Lovely. Uh, The first one isn't a weird movie. It was a very mainstream movie that made a lot of money. Uh, I finally saw Jumanji The Next Level. Oh, yes. Famously came very high 
on Adam J. Purcell's end of year list. Yeah, but we know why. <laughs> we do know why. It's but... bloody hilarious. No. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it, but, you know, that did raise my expectations quite highly. And uh, it almost lived up to those expectations. Oh. This film is hilarious. Mm-hmm. I love the comedy. The cast is incredible. Uh, I love just, just Danny DeVito <laughs> is great seeing every other um character play Danny DeVito is really funny as well. Uh massive fan of Danny Glover in general, so it's cool to see him back in something. And then also Kevin Hart getting to play uh Danny Glover was such a great <laughs> change of pace for him. Um it's a slight spoiler. Oh dear. Jump ahead if you want. But Aquafina playing Danny DeVito is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. <laughs> it was Genius! It was so good. It's like that Doctor Who episode with Cassandra jumping into the Doctor and Rose's body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just like that. It was so good. Uh, however, mm-hmm. where this film falters is the action sequences are so boring. I don't know why, but I ju- I wasn't invested at all in any of the action. I could see that. Like, I don't know. I didn't view them as action sequences in the first one. I haven't seen this one yet, by the way. But okay. I suppose they are action, action sequences when Kevin Hart's been chased by all those rhinos or whatever they were. <laughs> and when they're... Oh, I suppose towards the end when they're riding the motorbike... And they're on the cliff. That's an action sequence. But I don't know. I, I get what you mean because I don't view it as an action film. So I don't go in there wanting action, if that makes sense. So I can see why you wouldn't be invested. Yeah, it was because there's a couple sequences. There's um the one in the trailer where there is a bunch of uh, baboons mm. chasing them and they've got to kind of go across a cliff. There was some interesting work with that, mainly just character moments. Like Jack Black's character comes into play then a lot, which I really liked. Mm-hmm. But visually stakes wise it just just didn't really have much going for it Mm. um, unfortunately however i think the characters work so well in this because in the first one the teenage cast weren't like they were there but then you just kind of forgot about them once you entered the game whereas i think you're a little bit more invested in uh the relationships between the teenagers Uh, not to say too much about about the plot but the reason they re-enter the game is because one of their friends went missing and so you're like what happened to that friend what is that friend going to do and that was yeah a good way to kind of make you relate more with those teenagers i think that's in the trailer so yeah pretty pretty sure that's in the yeah. trailer so all that was really good it's just yeah the action didn't quite drag me in but i'm still going to give it one thumb up i still thought it was a really fun movie do you think they put action in there because it's one of those things where they thought we might have to go bigger and better. I think so. Whereas what works, obviously, is the fact that the cast is flipping amazing and hilarious, as proven by the first film. Mm. But they probably thought, well, like a video game, we've got to do more. We've got to do more of everything. Yeah, exactly. It's like there's a a motorbike chase as you mentioned in the first one yeah. there's a car chase in this one uh, so everything's yeah. just slightly lifted mm. which was a little bit annoying but at the at the same time these are basically kid films and if i was a kid <laughs> i would have thought the action sequences were enjoyable you know i used yeah. to like clash of titans so uh <laughs> i would have gone with anything <laughs> to be honest i'm not gonna judge you for that one i've not seen that <laughs> Uh, d- don't uh, never <laughs> okay. never watch it oh, never okay. ever uh no nah, all right jumanji the next level 
pretty fun. One thumb up. But two weird movies that I do want to mention very quickly because mm. I don't want to say too much about them. That's the thing with this brand new segment, Weird <laughs> Movies with Me, is I'm just, just going to be like, is this movie good or not? Tell you why, and then you can go watch it. See for yourself. Hmm. That's the segment. One of them, Gretel and Hansel. I checked out the folk horror retelling of Hansel and Gretel. I say folk horror because the thing with the folk horror genre is it was basically uh, brought to the forefront. A lot of people know it exists because of the movie called The Witch. Uh, and then every other <laughs> movie in the folk horror genre is just trying to be the witch. Mm-hmm. So it's not really a genre. It's just a bunch of people trying to be this one movie <laughs> that came out. So you mean like the Blair Witch Project? <laughs> exactly. It's exactly that. Except I do quite like a lot of the films in that vein that have come out. Anyway, Gretel and Hansel, the main reason I watch it was because Sophia Lillis from It Chapter One. She's also in uh, I Am Not Okay With This on Netflix. Oh. And... Uh, Nancy Drew movie that came out before that god-awful CW show started. Um, <laughs> don't watch it. It's one of the worst things I've ever I've ever seen. Uh, she plays Gretel, and it's a very similar setup. They go out into the woods, they come across a witch, and shenanigans happen. Uh, this film is okay. <laughs> if you liked The Witch, you will probably like uh, a lot of this. The cinematography is pretty spectacular. Once again, it's kind of nice. cropped. So you're basically just forced to look in the center of the screen. You can't really uh, look away because there's nothing to look away to. Everything is centered, which I really like. The locations are brilliant. The witch's house, mm. the visual from the outside is so weirdly creepy yet satisfying i don't know why i feel that way but it's, it's really a gingerbread cool. house isn't it <laughs> uh yes and i'm just like mm, yummy no there's no f- <laughs> food uh or sweets of that sort in oh. this um uh what else is good about this movie there's some good kind of creepy moments uh for the most part it's pretty tame mm-hmm. uh it's more kind of performance based um particularly sophia lewis and Alice Critch, I think is how you say her name. She plays the witch. She's spectacular. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kid who plays Hansel, not too bad. Uh, the soundtrack, phenomenal. There's this one sequence that I don't want to say anything about because it's a massive spoiler, but uh, Gretel is out in the woods. Something happens. It's about maybe halfway through the film, and it's the first time when in the soundtrack the beat kicks in, and it's such a epic moment and it's really cool just purely based off the soundtrack and then from then onwards the the soundtrack was incredible so yeah i'd probably give that one thumb up as well i really enjoyed it it's a little bit uh shallow and doesn't really have a point but i thought it was fine and i liked it so check out gretel and hansel if you want something to watch on a cold night um i've got one more weird movie but uh that was a long segment of me talking about stuff so if you want to mention something uh go for for it I'll do the last weird movie in a second. What should I talk about? I've still got a few things on my list. Sticking with non-TV related stuff, just because I talk a lot about TV on this show and it's fun to get into something different. I think I mentioned it last time, or maybe it was just during our conversation before and after the podcast, but I've been reading the Miss Marvel comics, which have got uh, Kamala Khan in it. Oh, And they're so charming and so fun. (laughs) I'm reading the uh, little collections, so... I gotten up to issue 16 technically, but I've only read like three of them because obviously it collects like three or four at a time. Yeah. But it's been a really fun origin story. We're getting a bit more 
a bit deeper into her personality and uh, really interesting seeing the culture clash between Middle Eastern cultures and uh, life in America, which is quite fitting for me because uh, the mother of my son is uh, Arab and kind of similar stuff happened when when we met. <laughs> okay. And I, I kind of can relate to having had conversations with her family that some of the stuff that Kamala's family have gone through in the fictionalised in this uh, comic book actually does happen in real life. And so I'm kind of happy just from the point of view of someone I'm very empathic to people and I, I can like pick up on their plight. And I just like that sometimes the light is being shone on various parts of the world you don't think about. In the superhero world, you don't tend to think about the dichotomy of living a, a superhero life where you're loved and favoured. And then when she's Kamala Khan, not dressed up as Miss Marvel, there could be a bit of prejudice going on. So underneath the light and fluffy, almost Peter Parker-esque personality she's got she's got to put up with a lot of crap in the world <laughs> yeah okay which I, I think it's you know that's what I, I really like about her and like I said it feels almost best of Marvel in a way in that because she's young and very nerdy there is some very fast-paced energetic references to pop culture and stuff like that mm. like when they find the the garbage chute <laughs> her friend Brono goes no don't do it she says, I don't care what you smell, get in there, <laughs> no. or something like that. And I think the artwork is really nice. I don't know exactly how to describe my taste in comic book art, but it's certainly more modern than a lot of the earlier stuff, where compared to it, it's a bit jagged and certainly larger than life, which is why they sold so well, because it was escapism. Yeah. But I kind of like, similar to Hush from Batman, the way they drew that, I like that sort of art style, and this is very close to it. The New 52 is really good. So it's that kind of smoother edges, kind of serious as well. It, it looks almost photorealistic in a way, mm -hmm. kind of. And so I like the art in this. Yeah, I'm really liking Miss Marvel as a, a character, and it's a really great introduction. And I'm really keen, actually, to one day get my hands on a PS4 and when the new game comes out, being able to play her in the uh, Avengers game. <laughs> yeah, that game looks... Interesting. <laughs> interesting, but I like the lineup for the characters. Yeah, exactly. The story looks like it's going to be good. The the character designs are just weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. But yeah, Miss Marvel, great comic book title. Um, I read, I've read a bit of it, not as much as you, uh, but I've read a bit of it when it came out. It's really good. I like how she's just a fan of everyone. Yes. Yeah. I really like that. Getting selfies with Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because we saw that a little bit with uh, the younger Nova, who I think was released around the same time. Okay. And the thing with that was he's a little bit annoying because he's 12 or something. <laughs> so it was nice to have someone a little bit older act mm. that way as well. It, it wasn't quite as jarring. <laughs> the thing about this is I've since kind of gone online to look at discussions about this because I've been borrowing these from my local library until obviously... Uh, the lockdown happened and libraries aren't actually running at the moment. <laughs> so when I take these back, I won't be able to get some more out. But I was looking for a place where I might be able to buy them and support the run because I, I heard they didn't sell very well. But I can't tell if that's true or not, or if it was just some trolls, bigoted trolls saying they weren't interested because it was all this PC gone mad stuff. And I kind of came across some harsh criticism of it without it being fair criticism of the storytelling. So like I said already, my only criticism of it would be it does feel slightly 
formulaic in terms of the origin story. Hero gets power. Hero is very kind of, they're young, so they've got to be that quick-witted, energetic kind of person. But like I said, when you get into more nuance with her family, it's really quite powerful storytelling. So overall, really liking them. That's one of the things I've been consuming recently. And if I was going to give it a thumbs up, even though it's kind of like an ongoing thing, so I feel like it's in progress as well. But so far, one thumb up. I really like the character, really like the stories I've read so far. Yeah, cool. All right. And I'm excited for the show uh, whenever they oh, yeah. do that because um, I think it's a it's a character that works really, really well mm-hmm. on a TV show uh, rather than a film. So, yeah. All right. Do you want to do well, your... Well, then I guess it's time for the final insert thing tune here. It's time for Weird Movies with Sandro. I am going to recommend a film that I think you would love, Reese. Oh. It's called... The Seven Stages to Achieve Eternal Bliss by Passing Through the Gateway Chosen by the Holy Storch. That's the full title. Is it a Mark Gatiss film? <laughs> no, but... He likes long titles. He does a lot like long titles. No, this is a Taika Waititi movie. <gasps> uh, he's in it. He's not really a, oh. much of an influence in the story, I think, <laughs> but he's in it. Uh, so is Kate... Miyuchi, I think that's how you say her name. One half of Garfunkel and Oates, the oh, Miguchi. musical comedy duo. Yes. So she and her boyfriend, they move into an apartment. Hmm. And there's this bathtub in the apartment where every now and then uh, random cult members walk in and then kill themselves inside of that bathtub. And everyone's like, what's going on here? So uh, it turns out Taika Watiti is a cult leader, very similar to Charles Manson. And he killed himself in that bathtub. And all of the cult members are like, I'm going to do the same thing. And every time a cult member comes in, they are played by uh, someone like uh, Marie Bamford or Brian Persane. Or oh. a... So it's basically the L.A. comedy scene. <laughs> it pretty much is. In so much that Dan Harmon himself plays the oh. cop. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. This film is absolutely ridiculous. This is made for me. It... <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is made for 2013 me who was really into the Nerdist podcast and swearing more than I should because Chris Hardwick and people like that were doing it on the show <laughs> and because they referenced certain bits of genitalia in certain ways that is really inappropriate and I just started doing that too. God, that's totally down my alley. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It is exactly this lot of film that we would have loved back then. Um, it had a hard time getting released. I think it was shot in 2017, may have had like a festival appearance in 2018, and then only came out like a month ago. So uh, and it had a hard time, but I'm glad that it's out. It's very funny. Straight from the get-go, like the first, the first, I guess you'd say, kill is so ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, the music is like, this is scary, this is scary, but the person is just tap dancing. Like, <laughs> but the music's like, duh, duh, but the person's just tap dancing. And then... You mean like Pennywise from that meme from <laughs> It Part 2? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly, yeah. Uh, nice. So, yeah, I I would probably even give that... Ooh. Ooh. See, I kind of want to give it two thumbs up. However, the ending is good but if the ending is trying to have a message 
which it feels <laughs> like it is, I am very, very much against it. And I feel like every single person in the world is against what the message of the ending is. Hmm. However, as a... Todd Phillips almost... is right. <laughs> <laughs> is that the message? <laughs> uh, no, I can tell you, but it's a spoiler. <laughs> uh, leave it. I want to actually check this one out. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, you'll know what I mean <laughs> when you watch it. I like the way it's shot. It's quite art housey. Like, it almost turns into a serious indie film for the last, like, ten minutes. <laughs> but the message is messed up. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. The seven stages to achieve eternal bliss. I will give two. No, I will give one very, very strong thumb up to that. Mm-hmm. I'd say it's a lot of fun. A lot of people are hating on it, but that's because a lot of p- people uh, want normal comedy, whereas mm. I much prefer abstract comedy, and this is 100% up my alley. So harking back to a movie you've already talked about, would that thumb be Dwayne The Rock Johnson's thumb because it's so strong? Mm, 100% it's Dwayne The Rock Johnson's cool. thumb. Cool, cool. But anyway, that is the end of... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave that bit in. That is the end of... T- oh, no. <laughs> I'll probably just keep cutting and pasting. We're at Movies with Sandra. <laughs> Come back next week for more. We're at Movies with Sandra. <laughs> nice. Excited. Uh, this has been fun. Will I watch any weird movies by next week? Probably not. I'm just watching TV shows at the moment. Well, well I don't know what you what you're up to with Oldie But a Goodie, but there could be a weird one there. Oh, <laughs> uh. whenever I mention that show, it's like you've got PTSD. <laughs> uh just episode sixty nine, man. What were we thinking? Um, spoilers for the episodes coming out on Monday, but oh, oh no. <laughs> Have you broken out in the cold sweat? (laughs) Yeah, just thinking about it. I messaged you as soon as we finished recording that episode and you just sent the perfect gif. I did. (laughs) Just haven't seen it, but you described it and I was, uh, yeah, I'm put off by it. Yeah, it's disgusting. I actually gagged while watching the movie and then also while talking about it. Do you want to describe this? Do you want to have a conversation about it? Or do you want to just talk about it and then we, I could cut this if you want so it doesn't give away what the episode's about? Uh, no. Well, we mentioned at the end of uh, the current episode that's out what we're doing. It's Blame It on Rio, which is uh, Michael Caine and his best friend go to Rio for a holiday and they take their two daughters with them. And then Michael Caine uh, falls in love with his friend's daughter, who is 18, but the actress was 17 yeah. while filming it and had to get permission from a Did judge. Did you know this nope. going in? Nope. <laughs> so you found, you watched it and then you yeah. Googled it and then you're like, oh, oh dear. Well, we knew, we knew the premise mm-hmm. uh, and the premise was hilarious. So we were like, let's 100% let's make save fun this of for this. episode 69. <laughs> and then... Uh, when doing research, uh, just before... Let's feel gross. <laughs> watching the film. Yeah, I was just like, this is illegal, and I feel dirty for watching this. And it's mildly endorsing it by laughing at it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, well. <laughs> That's an odd one. I like Michael Caine. Now I feel weird. <laughs> exactly. He, he was pretty... He looked awkward as an actor mm-hmm. in that film anyway fair uh, enough it's also directed by the guy who did singing in the rain which is just depressing if it's like if it was his oh really idea yeah mm. uh but anyway that's episode 69 which was meant to be a hilarious special <laughs> but it turned out it was disgusting you can you can listen to that on monday 
I feel like 69 jokes might be going out of fashion. <laughs> they always backfire. I think, yeah, I, I think they definitely do. But yeah. we only got this episode once. It's We're only true. doing number 69 once. It's um, true. Until we get to that point on Nerd Out. <laughs> and then spin off. <laughs> yeah, in which we'll just talk about that film again. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, let's cleanse our palate with something wholesome and, and not entirely gross and disgusting. I'm going to talk about Doom Patrol. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, I've seen two and a half episodes since the last <laughs> nice. last time we did this. I, I kind of lost track of time, and when you sent me a message saying, I'm setting up now, I was halfway through episode five. But uh, having seen more of them, the first two episodes kind of act like a two-part pilot. In a way, they have got the same sort of tone and feeling. The next few episodes continue to be as gory and filled with swearing and stuff like that. But they kind of start to expand the Doom Patrol's world a little bit more. Yeah. Because I feel like there was a lot of DC-based stuff discussed in the first two episodes Mm -hmm. compared to what we get afterwards. But it's just really cool to see the characters start to grow and move forward. But you still see some flashbacks to their origin stories, which is really good. Nice. Okay. I kind of want to say exactly what I sent to you. Yeah, go for it. I don't know. It's just a fight. There's a lot of choreography like this. But I was just like, oh, my God, Doom Patrol is ridiculously gory. And you innocently <laughs> asked, oh, it's, but, but it's kind of like, you know, comic book gore, right? And I said, well, Roboman tears someone in half and then knocks out the other person with that person's legs. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more the sound effect that got me the most because it has that sound effect. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting because I know that you're pretty turned off by that stuff, but I feel like I would just crack up. Oh, I, I would did. Just start laughing at just how ridiculous it is. I did because he'd also pushed someone against a wall and their head exploded. And then this <laughs> other guy ran towards him. And I think first he punches him on the ground and he says, you want to have a go at me? <laughs> After seeing that sort of thing. And then he and then he tears him in half. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. But yeah, so I did laugh, but I'm just kind of like, geez, this thing is gory. <laughs> I'm particularly aware of it now because on the weekends, my brother's kids come and stay and they, they arrive this afternoon. So I try not to watch it when they're around Yeah. Um, or I put headphones on so they can't hear it because they swear a lot, these characters. <laughs> but I think I was just starting to become kind of, you develop a filter as a parent about what you, you can even watch with kids around. And I think I just was kind of becoming aware that this is pretty intense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a really good show so far. It is bloody weird. Um, like mm. lots of weird stuff happens. It's basically the, and I know they're both DC, but it's the Legends of Tomorrow of DC Universe's lineup. So the streaming services lineup because it does ridiculous stuff unashamedly. Okay. Is it also a little bit like Legion and then it's got like some abstract storytelling? I've heard that they're quite similar in parts. I would say so, yep, especially the second episode had a lot of that. I think the more they build the season arc, the more we'll get even more abstract storytelling. They've started introducing a bit of magic as well, Mm. which I assume is a bit like uh, Lucifer in a way, and that's brought some really interesting imagery, almost like uh, Alice in Wonderland-style imagery. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm definitely on board with that. Yeah. um, It's also brought Mark (laughs) Shepard. Oh, yeah. How does it look, though? Because the visual effects in Titans are all over the shop. The gore's pretty good, but the CGI characters, not so much. Same here. A lot of the time it looks great. There's one shot in episode, I think, two, 
where it looked, I can't even think of a great comparison. Actually, it looked a bit like Toy Story. Oh, okay. Like, I don't know how, if I was from the Corridor crew, I'd be able to describe what was wrong with it. (laughs) The paws weren't moving. No. Um, (laughs) There was something off about it. It was because it was something you would never actually see. I don't want to describe it because it would give it away, but it was one of those things where it was an impossible camera angle, so they were replicating what it would look like if you could see down this tube, basically. I won't give away what the tube was. And I think maybe that's why it was an unrealistic situation, so you knew you wouldn't see it, but it also did look pretty primitive. Hmm. But then some other stuff looks really amazing. And, yeah, I agree with you. Within Titans, I think Raven's powers are amazing most of the time. Definitely. I think the gore's on point. Like, I mean, you can have practical blood splatter, but some of the CGI parts of it as well, they look really good. But then again, especially the main villain at the end of season one, start of season two, it looked really poor. <laughs> yeah. It's the same sort of thing. Some shots are brilliant and you think each art, your heart out, CW. Um, and yeah. then other times you're like, oh, no, this is the same people. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. I'm excited. I'm definitely going to jump into it probably straight after I do Titans, mm. actually. So, I will say in many ways I prefer Titans, but then again I'm saying that having finished Titans, so I'm still going on the journey with this and the story is developing and there is an arc and we're slowly getting into it. Yeah. Not even slowly. I'm only a few episodes in, so it's it's not slow, but it's just like I still need to catch up. So, <laughs> But good stuff so far, really good show. The acting is great. I keep thinking, God, I love... Matt Bomber, he's he's really good, or Bomer, however you pronounce his name. But then I think, but so is Alan Tudyk. So is, and you just, they're all so good. That's yeah. The cast is amazing. And the characters that they've been given are really screwed up, but amazing. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a wild, it's a wild bunch of characters there. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. And actually, I watched a reaction video for one of these episodes too, just because that scene where the fight went as intense that as it did. I wanted to see somebody else react to that. But the same people said, why is Cyborg in this show? Surely he should be in Titans. And I still think that. <laughs> but he fits in well here. Yeah. Yeah. Cyborg's just a weird character who doesn't really work on his own, only works in group-based scenarios, but yeah. at the same time doesn't really... Like, <laughs> the dynamic with other characters doesn't always work either. Yeah, Cyborg's a weird one, but yeah. uh, it sounds like they've nailed him in this show, so that's cool. I think they have. I think they really have, yeah. In many ways, he's... It's not too much of a spoiler. He's trying to take charge. He's trying to do the right thing, but some of these guys don't even want to be there. <laughs> yeah. So he's trying to build a team, almost like Dick in Titans. He's trying to build a team, keep it together, but they're kind of just like... Look, I've got a miserable life. I'm a, I'm considered a freak. I don't really want to go out and do much, even though yes, I recognise this heroing thing is a good idea, <laughs> and I've got abilities that would help. But I don't really want to face the pressure and the prejudice. So it's a nice. The dynamic doesn't work because there's a conflict, but that's better than him just being a weird character that doesn't fit in. So it's it's mm. purposefully put in there. So it's good. Okay, that's good. I've got one last thing for consuming lately. Mm-hmm. Another Amazon program, the main show that I've been watching over the last week. I saw this over the course of about five days, uh, and that is Hunters. 
executive produced by Jordan Peele, which is the main reason ah, of course. I checked it out. Yep. Also starring Al Pacino, uh, massive fan of him. Logan Lerman, isn't it? The dude who plays uh, Percy Jackson. Mm-hmm. We've also got Dylan Baker as the, what I thought was going to be uh, lead antagonist, but he's just kind of there for a lot of it and doesn't <laughs> do too much. Uh, this is the surprise, well, not actually surprisingly, it makes sense why it was so controversial, but incredibly controversial Amazon show that dropped probably like two months ago uh, about Nazi hunters. It's set in the 70s. Um, Al Pacino is putting together a group of people to go out and kill all of the various Nazis that work their way over to America after the war. The reason it's controversial, I'll get into it in a second, but I think a lot of it is just down to the marketing. This was marketed as Kingsman, but TV with Nazis. And Uh. (laughs) it was marketed as this super fun, kind of pulpy exploitation era, uh, ultra-violent comic book show. And it is not that. This show takes itself very seriously, and that's my major issue with this show. I don't think anyone involved with it uh, aside from maybe the cast, really knows what they want with this show. Because there are moments, especially the final episode, which I'm going to get to because I hated it. Um, <laughs> which is annoying because I really enjoyed the rest of it. The tone is very serious, which it has to be. Especially considering that you were dealing with uh, all of these Holocaust survivors. The majority of the older cast are Holocaust survivors. However, mm. this is set in the 70s, and the ages do not line up. So it's not historically accurate at all, which makes it feel like it's trying to be that sort of fun comic book thing, but every single character is taking it so seriously, and it's not that gory unless it has to be, usually in flashbacks, as you can imagine. They're quite hor- horrific sequences. Yeah. You can't make that fun so when all of the violence is horrific yet all of the concepts are quite comic booky it doesn't line up the show as a whole doesn't line up with what i think the showrunners slash the marketing people wanted it to be there are also these like kind of sketches scattered throughout it every now and then they'll be like uh let's flash to a bunch of movie posters introducing all of the characters or let's have a sketch where it's a game show with people talking about various reasons why the Nazis hate the Jews and that sort of stuff. Mm. It feels like Kingsman. But then you go back to the show itself and everyone's sad, depressed. You get a flashback to the camps. It's horrific. Mm. It's genuinely horrifying. And it just leaves you in this really sad state. But then they're trying to make it funny and it doesn't work. Yeah. However, saying that, uh, I really enjoyed it. (laughs) That's all right. (laughs) You sound like you're defending yourself, but I think you're allowed to enjoy it despite tonal problems and stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah, I think the characters were really interesting. One of the major points of this is the fact that, you know, Al Pacino, he's a survivor. He's had to do things to survive. Mm. And Logan Lerman's character, who plays a friend of someone he survived the camps with he's the grandson of someone who survived the camps who has been brought into uh this group of hunters he's trying to like hold on to that light side Mm. and so it's kind of like does he let it go and you know 
kill or does he not? What does his grandma want? That sort of stuff is a massive element of the show, which is another reason why I think the finale kind of betrays what I thought the show should have been. But again, I'll get to that at the very end of the review. He's brilliant. Al Pacino in this. I mean, I'm a massive fan of him in general, and he was phenomenal in The Irishman. And one thing this show does well is highlight how well they de-aged him in The Irishman because he is so old in this. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm looking at the uh, IMDb page for it. It looks like Edward James almost actually. <laughs> he does. He re- yeah, it's the beard, I think. Yeah. The beard um, does hmm. wonders. And, I mean, in terms of how he looks, Logan Lerman still looks like a teenager. So, <laughs> good on him, even though he's like 30 at this point. Oh, it's got Josh Radner in it. Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, Which, again, I think that's kind of weird, because isn't he Jewish? I think so. The majority of the cast are Jewish. Hmm. Um, uh, he's oh, wow. Really Sorry, tangent, mm-hmm. but it's got Kate Mulvaney in it, who plays Sister Harriet, apparently. Yes. She was in... An Australian movie. She's an Australian actress. She was in The Merger, which I've mentioned a few times over the years, because the mother of my child is in that movie. <laughs> oh, yes. I was, the whole time I was like, she looks so familiar. It, she's Australian. Yeah. <laughs> of course. There we go. Yeah. Awesome. She's probably the best performer, uh, to be honest, out of all of it. Her character doesn't make sense. It feels <laughs> like they're going to do more with, because there's like a bunch of secrets that she's keeping that are hinted towards in this season Mm. uh we'll see where they go in the in the second season it does get one because again this was very controversial a lot of groups were calling for it to be cancelled uh which i feel like i should get to i feel like i should get to the controversial nature of it yeah because honestly there's a part of me that kind of wonders why if it's a mature series where you know it's rated r according to imdb Mm -hmm. you're allowed to get away with some Intense stuff. So what's the big issue? I think it's just the historical accuracy of this show Mm. is not there at all. And in the first episode, there's a flashback to uh, a human chessboard sequence. Oh. Which is absolutely nothing like what I think it was. Mm -hmm. It feels very there for the sake of the shock value it's one of the only moments during the flashbacks that feels like it's there purely for shock value also in the first episode there is a gas kill uh Mm. which is very gory however if the reviewers only saw episode one i understand why they might think that was pretty uh offensive however there's a revelation about who that character was in the second episode that i think kind of lifts it a little bit. I'm not defending that scene, but mm. there's a reason why it's there. Well, that's good. That is good. I was going to say, I don't know if it's necessarily offensive. Then again, I'm not Jewish. Yeah. But I think it's one of those things that you don't need to show. You're kind of like, we know the Nazis did that. Yeah. And that is definitely a big element of this show, I think. But they don't show too much after the first episode. It's pretty... It's not tame. It's still reasonably gory again i thought this was going to be an ultra violent sort of kingsman thing it very much isn't that Mm. there's a couple gunshot wounds every now and then that's about it however the plan of because this show is basically leading up to the fourth reich in the u.s however the 
plot, though, that the various Nazis in America have for the Fourth Reich is, again, straight out of Kingsman. It's a Kingsman thing. Oh, so it's like a weird kind of finding something everyone uses, like your phone, like the beer you drink or something like that, and turning people bad. Exactly. It's like a it's like a James Bond sort of <laughs> oh, God. thing. And it just the the tone is just like what are you what are you doing? Mm. <laughs> so I think that's my major issue with the show in general, is just the tonal issues. But I did genuinely enjoy my time with this. I thought it was a really interesting take. And I like the setting. Oh, the cinematography is spectacular the entire way through. This it it looks gorgeous. Mm. I love the setting. Um, some of the performances as well. There is Carol Kane, who has been acting for a very long time. Oh, yes. She's in, like, <laughs> Princess Bride, uh, Annie Hall. I think she won an award for that. I'm not too sure. Most recently, she's been in Gotham and the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. She's phenomenal. And she's in this. <laughs> unbreakable, breakable. <laughs> yeah. Oh, such a good show. <laughs> She is incredible in this, and her story arc is great. Hmm. And it's really cool to see stuff like that. So it's a mixed bag. Yeah. But if you go into it knowing what to expect, I think you can get a lot out of it. However, the final episode pissed me off Ooh. a lot. They There are two major twists. Obviously, I won't say what they are, but there are two major twists that are massive swings, and they miss every single time. Uh, there's a <laughs> massive reveal about one particular character that was it just kind of came out of nowhere and felt like a twist for the sake of a twist and then the final shot oh dear. turns into yeah kingsman this is like a kingsman moment ah. it's a comic book moment they introduce a character who is going to be in season two if there is a season two mm-hmm. and i really don't want to see it i really don't want to because again <laughs> This show feels grounded, and if they do this, it turns into Kingsman, it turns into Preacher, it turns into a comic book show, and this isn't a comic book show. So, fair enough. It's a bit of a mess. The final episode, I felt like I was cheated. However, the second last episode does kind of wrap a lot of stuff up anyway. So, you could forget about the last episode. <laughs> you can completely forget about the last episode if you want. There's a couple <laughs> hanging threads, but for the most part, like. That's life. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like a Game of Thrones finale. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, season eight. <laughs> yeah. So as a whole, I think I'm... Oh, it's hard because I do want to give it one thumb up because mm. I did enjoy my time with it. Like, I enjoyed the show as a whole until the end. Uh, I stuck with it. Uh, the episodes... Again, I just love the cinematography. I love seeing... Al Pacino on a TV screen. I love yeah. enjoying something that Logan Lerman is in. I love Carol Kane mm-hmm. and everything she does. Josh Radnor's incredible. Dylan Baker as a Nazi politician is... He's ridiculous. And I think he's the only part that feels like he's in a comic book. Yeah. Because he's just playing it for laughs the whole time. And it's funny because he's disconnected to everyone else's in the show. So it's kind of like his own thing. Now I'm just imagining Adrian Petzer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love him so much though. So yeah, I think I'm going to give it one thumb up, but I don't think I'm going to watch season two mm. because of what happened in the end of the show. It's just a big mess. And from what I can tell, everyone else who has watched it feels the same way. Like they're all like, the tone is ridiculous. 
it doesn't make sense, and the finale was just a big old cheat. So it's a mess, but I did like it. So I think I'm going to go one light thumb up for this, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to keep watching it. That's my review. <laughs> so you had a... That's my mess of a review. <laughs> you had a Dwayne Johnson thumb up earlier. Whose thumb would this be? Uh, this is Danny DeVito's thumb. Ah, fair enough. Yep, I was thinking Yeah, that. yeah. Um, current day Danny DeVito, where he doesn't really like to lift a finger for anyone. Yeah, let alone... that's what I was thinking, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He'll yell at you. It's a, a light thumb up and a, a yelling from Danny DeVito. That's <laughs> my score for Hunters. <laughs> Then they'll cast him in it, because why not? <laughs> Look, if they're going down the road that I think they're going, <laughs> Danny DeVito would make sense. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, he doesn't anything for me, so... Ah, <laughs> oh, I love the guy. He's so good. Yeah. I love that we're doing so many films of his on the podcast recently. <laughs> well, he had his, you know, he had his period where he was yeah. everywhere. Ah. <laughs> uh, and now he's made the comeback. <laughs> that's pretty much all on my list. Have you nice. got anything else? I've got two small things that I'll mention. I kind of touched upon it earlier, but I just want to give like a reminder to people about how good the Dark Knight soundtrack is. Mm-hmm. It's phenomenal. I recently used uh, a bit of software I've got called Logic Pro. A lot of people have that if they've got a MacBook or a, or a Mac computer. And a sound library called uh, Albion One from a company called Spitfire Audio. I know that's a lot of advertising, but it's it's worth it. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> it's an orchestral sound library, and I using tutorials online because I actually know very little about music. I'm trying to teach myself a musical instrument, especially in lockdown because <laughs> I've got so much free time. Uh, but I kind of copied online tutorials and stuff like that and recreated one of the tracks from the Dark Knight soundtrack. But hearing other people talk about it, they made the point that it kind of revolutionized modern film scores. Mm -hmm. And I kind of agree with that, having listened to them, especially because Hans Zimmer does half of the modern film scores. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's true. But, you know, just it does have a certain energy. It has certain quality to it, especially superhero stuff that you associate with that sort of genre. And it's just a really cool soundtrack. And lastly, I recently had a photography job where I took a lot of photos, product photos. Nice. And that was fun to do on the day. But the downside of it is that there are a lot of photos to edit and tweak and make sure the products look great. So I'm sitting here at the computer for a long time. So to accompany accompany me with that, I started playing season one of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, wow. Okay, going back to the beginning. I have, yeah, because it's on Disney+, Plus and I saw it there when I was watching Runaways. And I, I thought, I could watch Doom Patrol, but I want to actually give it my full attention. Yeah. But I wanted something on to make the repetitive process go a bit quicker. So I put something on I've already watched, and it holds up. I mean, I'm still a fan of season one and I know a lot of people weren't at the time Mm. and it certainly is much cheesier than it is now they figured out a way to do humor that was true to the characters as opposed to just being a gag yeah right and in season one there were quite a few gags (laughs) but the season arc actually happens a lot quicker than I expected like and then I remembered they've got all the stuff with centipede and all of that and there's actually something in each episode teasing it isn't there There's an episode set on a train, right? And I remember that being incredible. Yeah, I think that might even be the next episode that I'm up to. It's called Tracks. I think that's it, yeah. And they had that kind of, it wasn't like time travel, but they had the 
the night night gun, but it was a grenade version, so it froze you and knocked you unconscious. But they represented that as if time travel was going on, where the characters you'd see it from their perspective. The train was there; they hit with that that blast, and then suddenly it disappears because, mm-hmm. from their point of view, that's what happened. When really, it just kept going, and they were frozen. Yeah, that's the episode with the Stan Lee cameo in it. Oh, that's right. Have you already seen the we're cleaning up after the dark? Oh, the Dark World one? The Dark World one? Yeah, that actually held up a lot better than I remembered. Okay. I kind of appreciated the flashbacks for Grant Ward a lot more. I kind of found at the time, actually I still find the fight really annoying, where to represent anger they make him yell and go, raw like the Hulk basically. And I just think <laughs> that's not how anger really works. Um, no. And so that's where the show was kind of cheesy and people's criticisms of it ring true. But... It's still a fun show, and I, like I said, I wanted something to put on that I've already seen, but I could enjoy, and I am enjoying it. It's a lot of fun, and it's really interesting to see how much these characters have grown. Mm. But, yeah, that's kind of the end of my list now. Nice. Well, there we go. That was a good episode. It was. I enjoyed that. and I like the way I think we maybe talked about so much DC stuff last time. I felt like I got stuck in one pattern, but I like the fact that we've jumped around a bit, and we've introduced a new segment on the show. That's great. That segment being... Weird Movies with Sandro. I'm going to just keep that, actually. Sure. Why not? (laughs) Just put some reverb on there. It'll be nice. Yes, exactly. All right, ladies and gentlemen and everyone in between, thank you very much for joining us on this episode. Sandro, Mm. are we well on track to say that we're going to have another episode next week? I think there will be another episode of Spin-Off next week. I think so. Nice. and Might not be as long, but, you know. That's true. We might not (laughs) consume as much. (laughs) Will there be another episode of No Doubt? No idea. Okay, uh, fair enough. <laughs> we I finished editing uh, last week's episode an hour before it went live, so <laughs> oh, it could it could come out. It could not. Yeah, yeah. Just wait and see. <laughs> fair enough. That's absolutely fair enough. But until then, folks, again, thank you for joining us. Stick around. And by the way, the music you're hearing playing right now is the Titans theme tune. And uh, (laughs) it's what we used last week. It's what we're going to use this week. It's probably what we're going to use every time we mention Titans or another uh, DC Universe show, which will be for the next few weeks probably because we're watching a DC Universe Mm. show each. So, yeah. Yeah. No copyright infringement is intended, by the way, guys. Absolutely not. No. And also, we used it because we made fun of it in <laughs> yes. last week. But then you had to listen to the theme on its own outside yeah. of the show. And we're like, hey, this is actually pretty good. Well, my problem is the title card because it's basically just drums and a weird synth thing going boom, 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 boom. And then it's into the show. <laughs> and that's all I hear at the end of the show, too, because... I watched it on Netflix and it's got that whole want to play the next episode now and I go, yeah, why not? So I never actually hear where there's actually a melody to it and a cool tune and that's what's what I'm probably looping now because we're talking longer than I expected, but that's all right. Um, <laughs> that's what you can hear now and at the end of the show. And then it gets that drum bit again, which is actually cool in context. So yeah, I retract agreed. my mocking of the theme as a whole. i just still not a fan of just having a title card. I like an opening sequence like Doctor Who, for example. Hmm. <laughs> Otherwise, you don't get an iconic theme tune like Doctor Who. That's been around for 50 years now, and it's iconic because they get a chance to actually play music. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to bid you all farewell for now and speak to you next time. See ya. Make sure until then, you keep nerding out. Spinning off? <laughs> and that as well. <laughs>
I think that's muscle memory for you. <laughs>